Hey everyone, Joe here. In this episode, Scott and I had the privilege of chatting with Robert Rogers, an Air Force senior enlisted leader, entrepreneur, and author. During our discussion, we talked about the vital role of mentorship, the importance of embracing challenges, authenticity, and much, much more. Enjoy. Live, learning, leadership, the Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan. I have with me my brother, Dub Scott Green. What's up, Scott? How's it going, Joe? It's going well, man. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What I are you appreciate thir- that. You're 38 now? Something like that. Yeah. Times two or? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not, not that high up. No, no. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a good day so far. It's hot, but it's been a good day. That's it's, good. It's man. humid. I had to take two showers today. Just one, one was the wake up shower. And the other one was the post washing the car shower. So yeah. Yeah. Then you probably have to get another one in. I probably have another one after this one. <laughs> I just had to turn the AC down cause it felt really hot. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been a good day so far. Thank yeah. You. I don't, I don't miss humidity. So California, Northern California dry heat. I, I appreciate yeah. that. So Scott, we have another amazing guest in the lounge with us today. Yes, Robert sir. Rogers. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great. Yeah, man. Thank, thanks for coming on. And for our listeners, uh, Rob is an Air Force Reserve Chief Master Sergeant. He's a disabled veteran, author, entrepreneur, and all-around Renaissance man. We appreciate you being on, brother. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, man. So um, I know we kind of connected um, through some of the stuff that's been, um, you know, whether it's quarantine university and everything else that's kind of launched. And um, I've noticed, you know, that uh, you're really big into a lot of the same things that Scott and I and everything that the Llama Lounge is about. So we're, we're really excited about having you on. Yeah, I noticed the same thing with you guys. Um, yeah, watch your videos, uh, watch your your postings and stuff like that. And it's, it's really refreshing to see so many different leaders. That's one of the great things that this quarantine stuff has done is really allowed a lot of leaders to take their messages of leadership and, and growth to a different platform that really reaches more people than ever before. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, it's like if you're going to look for silver linings, there's definitely that. And I think, uh, you know, Scott and I, we've talked a couple times in the past. It felt like we're kind of on, on an island when you're doing stuff when, you know, when you don't see what everybody else is doing. So it's really cool. So, so um, hey, Rob, whenever uh, we have a guest on the show, we like them to um, share their story because we find that, you know, we can learn a lot from the experiences of, of others. So um, how did Rob Rogers become the Rob Rogers we are talking to today? Um, he, he came this way through a lot of really tough moments in his life. Um, I, I've had a lot of hardships in my life uh, ever since I was a kid uh, growing up without a whole lot of money uh, and as a minority in my neighborhood, all the way through um, in the, uh, you know, high school where I didn't really have a lot of confidence in my intellectual abilities. Um, you know, I was a little overweight and, and you know, whenever you're a teenager, that plays into a lot of things. And then coming into the Air Force, uh, really completely different environment, not really believing in my abilities once again, and um, having to navigate two divorces, some stress and anxiety issues, mental health issues, uh, multiple deployments, um, you name it. So I've really come to where I'm at today through my experiences and through battling through them, um, learning that all of them have lessons in them, all of them have knowledge in them. 
and really trying to take what I have learned and apply it to not only myself, but to the people around me. So that way, for one, they can feel like they're not alone. Um, and two, hopefully they can learn through the lens of my experience. Um, so they can improve themselves without having to really feel that pressure of having that finger pointed at them like, hey, you need to fix this. Like they can just see my experience and go, ooh, I think I'm headed down that path. Maybe I ought to reevaluate what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah, that's awesome. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I was going to say that's, uh, you know, we, we tend to uh, explore things on our own so often uh, when, and I think exploration is important, but at the same time, if someone's already been there, done that, and you can see the, the outcomes of someone else's mistakes, you know, it's a, it's a good lesson to just follow, not follow certain paths because someone's already, they can share their experiences for us and let us know how it turned out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I believe that that's one of our responsibilities as leaders is to, to communicate what we failed at, right? To, to let people know like, hey, we're not perfect and we didn't get here on a silver platter. Like a lot of us get there bloodied and bruised up, but we can help people avoid mistakes because we've been through the door, right? We know what it feels like. And, and we can speak true experience and, and truth into people's lives. Um, as long as we're allowed to be a little bit vulnerable and maybe take, that, uh, take the chance that somebody judges us for, for something that we've done. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think and that a lot of that comes with maturity, you know, and um, I know we talk about it a lot here on the lounge and, um, and with other people too, with other leaders out there that it seems like, you know, when, when you're, when you're first coming up, you're busy trying to impress people versus, you know, truly inspiring people. And, you know, part of that inspiration is, you know, showing people that you do, that you can fail, that you, you're, you're not infallible and that um, they can, they can do what you're doing as well and succeed. So I think that's a huge part of it. So I really appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to, to your point, right, whenever you're younger, you, you do want to pretend like you know it all. Like I remember so many moments where I became um, defensive about my not knowing something, right? You're sitting in a room mm -hmm. and and everybody nods their head like, oh, you guys know what this is? And everybody nods their head, yeah. And, you know, those <laughs> yeah. are really half the people in the room have no clue what's going on. And so if somebody would just have the courage to kind of sound like they don't know what they're talking about, like now I, I raise my hand all the time, like, hey, I don't know what that is. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> and so many yeah. people in the room come after uh, afterward and they go, hey, man, thanks, because I had no idea what they were talking about either. I just didn't want to be the guy who raised his hand. Right. So, right. yeah, or, not a or, problem. Like, yeah. Or they ask, like, seven more questions afterwards. <laughs> like, okay, now you know I'm not, I know I'm not the only one that didn't know anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah, let's just cut all that inefficiency out and, like, just raise your hand and, like, be the guy who's like, yep, I don't know. Because, yeah, if we don't know, like, if we're not communicating on the same page, then, then what's the point? And if exactly. people aren't getting your message because they don't understand, but they're too afraid to speak up, well, somebody can raise their hand and just having that courage to do that helps the entire room understand and get better and be more efficient with their time and the resources. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So before we start getting um, really deep into um, some more of the conversation that we were already kind of getting into, this is some awesome stuff. I was wondering, could you share a little bit more about like, okay, so what did you do in the service and then versus, and also what, what are you kind of doing now? Okay. Yeah. In the service, um, I came in as a Intel guy. So I'm a, a signals intelligence guy. Mm. I didn't know that I took that job whenever I went to the recruiter. <laughs> I wanted to work 
in radio. Um, and so I, I asked the recruiter, Hey, what was in radio? And he read off a job that had radio waves in the title. Nice. And I was like, Oh, fantastic. And I didn't know any better. And the internet wasn't in your pocket whenever, um, I was coming in. So I had no way to check it out. And so next thing you know, I became a signals intelligence analyst. Um, and I was not good at math and science growing up. And so I didn't really think I was very well equipped for that job, but I was able to battle it out. And I did a really good job um, learning and applying those skills. And then I've pretty much been everywhere. I've gone to, I've lived in Germany, I've lived in Korea. I've done five tours between contracting and military jobs in, in the Middle East. Um, had a lot of really cool opportunities to travel and and do some amazing things. So I've got to apply my signals intelligence and intelligence skills kind of all all over the world. And I got to tell you, joining the Air Force was the absolute best decision I've ever made in my life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Rob, Robert, did you did you come in as active duty or did you come in as reserves or how how did that work? Yeah. So I, I I'm a person who likes to change things up quite a bit. So I came in as active duty. Mm -hmm. um, in 2009, I left active duty uh, after being kind of upset with how they were handling my assignments. Um, mm -hmm. And I was moving about once every two years. I couldn't really wow. establish myself anywhere. So I went reserves, came out here to Colorado, um, did reserve duty for two squadrons. I was an AGR, so full-time reserve at my first squadron, transitioned to a TR status, traditional reserve, in another squadron. Um, deployed as a contractor because I really enjoyed that job. Uh, that started to take a toll on my family, so I ended up leaving that position, moved all the way back to Ohio, uh, became an AGR again, did that for about two and a half years, came back out here to Colorado as an AGR, did that for about three years, and then transitioned out. Now I'm an IMA working for Indopaycom, um, doing a Joint Intel Operations Center senior enlisted leader for uh, Jade at Fort Worth. Oh, it's very cool. So, what do you, so what are you doing um, in in your um, civilian uh, capacity besides the so, the contracting some stuff, right? But there, there's there's a quite a few other things you're doing also, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, always. Um, so I'm the guy who, whenever people asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, I can never <laughs> answer it because I didn't know. So I just chose to be everything. Um, so I do contracting uh, for space control and defense, and I uh, do defense analyst work um, for a company here in town. In addition to that, I'm an author and I do some speaking and uh, mentor sessions for groups. And then my wife and I and my three kids were restoring an old horse property here in Colorado Springs and trying to make it into an event center and Airbnb property sometime down the line so we uh we try to do a lot of different things nice. keep yeah. your hands full yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so how did how did you a couple questions here how did you come into the um sort of mentorship and speaking engagement field and do you have a certain um like audience or topic that you are most passionate about i came into it because i for what it's worth, I, I didn't have a whole lot of great leaders growing up in my military career. And I always looked for the person or the thing that like really spoke to me. Um, and so I, I had some good examples as I went along, but I didn't have like that one person who really stood out uh, until I came here and I met that person through uh, a relationship with my wife. It was a coworker of hers. And 
that he, he does speaking and he's actually in the process of writing a book and he really helped me understand that I could take all these things that I've learned and gone through um, and I can apply them in, in my own special way. So I started writing a book because for one, I finally believed in my ability to put my story together and my experiences and have enough confidence in what I've gone through and, and you know, allow myself to be judged and to be vulnerable by putting my story out there because so many people feel like they're alone, um, but they're not. And the only way for them to not feel alone is to share an experience with somebody. And I do that with my book. So um, I, I chose that path because I like writing and because I, I think a lot of people need and want good mentorship and they're not finding it um, where they're at. And I get those messages all the time from people that say, hey, thank you. Like, I, I really needed this. I just I felt like I was alone or, you know, my senior NCO core here isn't very good. And I, I really needed an outside perspective. And I really appreciate that you wrote this stuff down in your book so that way I could get those things. So. Um, that's kind of how I came to it. The speaking, um, it didn't come naturally. I had a pretty strong lisp whenever I was growing up and, uh, wasn't real confident public speaking, but if you read the book, you'll find, uh, there was a senior NCO, uh, in my ALS class who asked me to not speak at the graduation because I had a lisp. He didn't think that I was qualified for public speaking. So, um, because of that, I had a chip on my shoulder and I just really worked at that skill and, and overcame some of those, those vulnerabilities that I feel whenever I speak. And, and now I feel pretty confident with it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. That's full circle. And I think, um, yeah, and that, that senior NCO, we'll probably talk a little bit about that senior NCO that did that, that said that to you <laughs> in a little bit, but, but I mean, I think that's, that's really cool that, um, that you took it in that way. Um, sometimes we do need that chip on our shoulder to help us, uh, get past, you know, some of the adversities that we face, but, um, you, you talk a lot about, um, you've been talking about your book a little bit. Um, can you, can you dive into that? Because like, what is, um, you kind of talked about, it like the passion that kind of drove you towards it but um but what what's the book about and, and what's the title of the book so the title of the book is the paperback mentor i would say it's really about a bunch of experiences that i've gone through and hardships that i've learned to find the silver lining in you know one of the chapters is called how low performers are helping you succeed mm -hmm. um and that just it's meant to give you a different way of looking at that person who's at work just challenging you and every day you're frustrated and you're only thinking about one side of that coin. But if you think about the skills that that person's bringing out in you, the, the work that they're making you put in, pushing you out of your comfort zone, you can really appreciate those people in your life because you understand that they're helping you grow into a better person. So the book is really just about looking at these negative experiences that we all go through and understanding that these lessons that we're learning as we're going through these things and that this is really improving us and, and eroding those sharp edges that we have and making us better people. Yeah. I feel like there's a story behind that. How low performers are helping you succeed. <laughs> there absolutely is. And you can read it in the book. Oh, yeah. There you go. Or chapter yeah. Three. Yeah. yeah. That is amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> so your book, does it, is, does it have a, a particular uh, target audience in mind? Is it something you think um, uh, maybe it's more geared towards military or civilian audiences or what, what do you think? So I, I wrote it to be more geared towards both military and civilian, really leadership mm -hmm. stuff. But um, yeah. I, I really found that the military community has taken to it. 
Um, and I've also found that it works really well in group settings. So there's <clears throat> questions at the end of each chapter. Right. And it sounds like people, the chapters are specifically built to take up less than 15 minutes of your day. Um, that's, if you read the first chapter, taking back 1%, and 1% is about 15 minutes or 14.4 minutes per day. And the book is intended to help you establish good habits by taking back 1% of your day to do something for you, for your own improvement. Um, that also equates to about 100.8 minutes per week. Um, and so what I've been finding is that people will read a chapter. It takes about 15 minutes to read a chapter. They answer the questions in private. And then they come together in a group and they share their experiences that the chapter brings out whenever, they, whenever I ask the questions. Um, and it really opens up conversations with people and it it really connects them because a lot of people don't share some of the things that come up in these conversations just in natural conversation at work. But whenever they have some structure to build it around through this chapter and these questions, then it, it makes the conversation flow much easier. And it's I've gotten some incredible feedback about how it's opened up teams and helped people connect and even increased morale in teams because people feel yeah. more connected in their team. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be great for like any if any organization is trying to put together maybe a leadership development program, uh, like a comprehensive leadership development program. It sounds like it'd be a great resource um, to to throw in that mix. Yes, there's uh, numerous organizations right now, both uh, military and civilian, who are bringing on this book. I've been uh, doing the appropriate copyright release and other paperwork with them, but there's several organizations that are actually incorporating the book into their leadership course because it's so different than mm -hmm. the traditional book that's written and, you know, tells you what to do and, and whatever other stuff. And plus I write it from an enlisted leadership perspective, which I think is just one of those voices that's not very well communicated in writing. Every time I ever pick up a book, it's you know, an officer who had, you know, an 06 or an, a general and, <laughs> and this really huge strategic kind of viewpoint. High and, level, yeah. And yeah, these things that you can't really relate to when you're, you know, whenever I was a tech sergeant, I didn't get any of that. Like I didn't understand it. It didn't connect with me. But the stuff that I write is it's very raw and it's very on the ground and it speaks to the person who's going through whatever they're going through at the time. And I really would encourage, you know, people to share their enlisted leadership experiences in whatever media form that is, such as this podcast that we're doing right now, because it's something that people really want. Um, I hear it all the time and, and people crave that leadership perspective from the people who they are like, that they can emulate, not the people who are so far out there that they don't even know the person or they can't reach that, that potential level that that person's at. Yeah, absolutely. There's times where I, I even sit there and listen to one of our episodes or some of the other um, folks that we know that are doing these podcasts. And I, I, I do often want think like, man, when I was a staff sergeant, I wish I could have heard that conversation. Right? Exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it really, uh, I just think I was like, oh, that was a cool topic that they talked <laughs> yeah. about. And vulnerability yeah. is a big part that I think, you know, as I was coming up, I definitely didn't hear that word very much. And um, mm -hmm. it's so important to, it's so important to leadership, right? Absolutely, especially today, right? The biggest, the biggest way that you can be a leader is through influence, and influence mm -hmm. is gained right through having a relationship with people. You don't influence people by telling people what to do. You build relationships with them, and then you can be influential in a positive way. So, 
yeah, influence is everything these days. People don't even really react very well to like overbearing authority anymore. Mm -mm, mm -mm. No, I, uh, I tell you, what, I've, I remember being a senior airman staff sergeant and I was kind of on that cusp of, you know, when you first start supervising people and you get that, uh, that, uh, that privilege to be able to be someone's like first line supervisor. And I was still learning a lot. And I remember the biggest lessons I learned from our work for people like, that's not how to act. I am not going to follow <laughs> that person's lead. Like, like I remember thinking back, like when I become a tech sergeant, I will not act like that. When I become a master sergeant, I will not act like that. Uh, and so I remember some of the best ways of learning how to be a great supervisor was knowing who to emulate and who not to emulate. And, and, and a lot of it was how they made me feel. Right. If, if someone made me feel great, they made me feel important. That's the person I wanted to emulate. But if someone was authoritative and, and didn't build a relationship, my mentality was like, well, I don't want to be like that when I'm that rank. Absolutely. And, and so a, a funny story. So I was whenever I was Airman Rogers, uh, I had a supervisor that I didn't care much for. And so I didn't feel like this person was helping me grow in my military career. And I had all these goals and all this other stuff. So I wrote him a letter requesting a new supervisor outlining mm. literally all the things that he was doing wrong and i gave it to him and i gave it to our chain of command very confident that i was about to get a new supervisor <laughs> and uh, one of the things i learned from that experience was they were like hey emory rogers you don't you don't get to choose your supervisor like just because you don't like him doesn't mean that it's not a good experience for you and I've always taken that. And whenever somebody will ask me for a new supervisor now because they're not getting along with their supervisor, I think these people are going to have to learn about conflict resolution and working Absolutely. with difficult people, right? These people are going to have to learn how to, how to, you know, bite your tongue and, and cooperate and, and all these other things. So yeah, it may not be helping you grow and it may not be the miracle grow to your career, right? Where you're taking off and, but you're digging deep roots whenever you're going through those experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps you resilient more than anything else. So I don't too often take people out of the positions where they're having a, a hard time with their supervisor, because those are experiences that they need to learn. Mm -hmm. They need to see those poor examples so they can know what not to do and what that feels like. And and if I continue to save people from those experiences, then they're not getting the education that they need from those experiences with those people. Yeah. I mean, it's like totally sheltering them from that. You're just constantly coddling them and t taking them away from those situations where they can learn. Just like you had talked about how low, low, low perf performers are helping you succeed. I mean, even that senior NCO that told you that you shouldn't be, you know, the, the speaker at the event. I mean, that, that did something for you, right? I mean, it could have went one way, but it, it did something for you and it helped you become who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, one of the, the things about those, those low performers, right, is, you know, they challenge you as a leader. Like, they, they make you get out of a comfort zone. So whenever you're frustrated with one of those guys or gals who, who just can't seem to get things right, right, you have to go do and try different things as a leader, to be able to deal with a situation that you're handed. This is your problem. This, this is your responsibility and you have to grow and you have to meet the challenge and, and they do that for you. Right. Mm -hmm. They, oh, they yeah. force you to learn the rules and policies and the regulations mm -hmm. of your organization. And I think that's a often overlooked fact because I got so good at paperwork with my uh, first low performer. I, I literally got promoted on it because I knew all the, the Air Force forms and the processes. <laughs> Whenever I went and took my, uh, my uh, PME test, 
like I actually knew answers. I, I was very thankful because <laughs> this guy put me through the ringer and I learned so much that I, I actually tested higher and I got promoted. That's awesome. Um, they provoke <laughs> difficult conversations, right? Like people don't like them, but they're, they're really important to have. And if you don't have a person who challenges you, sometimes those opportunities don't present themselves. Um, yeah. They help you, Absolutely. they help you develop relationships. Um, so one of the great things about a low performer is you get so frustrated. You usually go and talk to mentors and stuff. You, like, you build relationships with supervisors and mentors as this low performer, as your uniting force. So, you know, you, you can actually enter a key relationship in your military or your civilian career because of a low performer and the struggles that you're going through and you seeking that advice and trying to figure out how to make that work. Um, and then finally, you, you learn enough to be helpful to others. So people who give advice and have experience, they, they have that stuff for a reason. Like mm -hmm. when you ask somebody and they can answer on the fly why they do what they do or um, you know, what this experience meant to them, they, it's because they've gone through it and probably several times, right? So you mm -hmm. finally have enough knowledge and experience and you can help people whenever they're struggling because you've seen these things and, and you can say, this is, this is how I would handle it. Right. And, or that, you know, maybe consider this whenever you're going through this, or maybe you had to read this book or, or do these things. This is what's helped me in the past. So that's, I think that's, those are the things that low performers give you that you wouldn't normally get if you just had those really awesome rock star people, yeah. you know, and just having to write a bunch of award packages and, uh -huh. and clap your hands and eat cake. Right. Well, I, I, rem I remember, uh, so for a while I was a career assistance advisor. Um, and so we got to, uh, I got to work with a lot of different chiefs. The base I was at, there was like four or five different wings. And I remember working with some really great command chiefs. And when they would come in and give presentations, they would, they would give presentations to these different uh, professional development seminars. And they would talk about how to get promoted a lot. You know, that was a, that was a hot topic. You know, you get, get involved in this, get this type of education, do this, do that. Sure. But, but what, and so we, we would always encourage people to do what it took to get promoted, but we wouldn't always, we wouldn't always prepare them for the expectations once they have that next rank. Right. right? We don't so teach they, them how to be that ranked. We just exactly, teach them how to get there. We how to get there, right? So they would, they would get excited and be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. And then, you know, but here's what you have to expect. You have to expect the more people you supervise, the more personalities you're dealing with, the more wants, the more desires, the more, uh, yeah, the more individuals that, you know, you now are responsible for. And these things are just as, as valuable about learning from uh, how to deal with difficult conversations and difficult people are just as important as knowing, you know, uh, the, the steps to get promoted, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I tell people all the time, it took me four years of being a master sergeant to learn how to be a senior NCO. Like, I was a high-performing tech sergeant like many other people who promote to the senior NCO rank, and I continue to behave in the way that, can, that always got lauded, right? So I was doing the things. I was a bull in a china shop <clears throat> trying to, you know, make my way. But as a senior NCO, there's a transition that nobody tells you about. Like, something occurs. And the high-performing tech sergeant, bull in a china shop approach stops working overnight. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't know why, because you built your career and your success based off of doing things at all costs. And, 
and you know just circumventing all the processes and all the other stuff right you're just getting stuff done and then it stops working and and you're confused and you're left out in the cold because you don't know what's going on right. and you learn like now relationships matter more than any other time in your career like you can't you can't do those things like you have to adhere to a process because you need efficiencies in your team and and processes have their place like they're not always great but when you're managing lots of resources or lots of people processes are very helpful to help you stay on top of those things um and so into that to that point too uh there's a chapter called promote collegiality over competition where mm -hmm. i talk about you know just trying to compete out compete everybody else and and really what that did to the teams and you don't create successful teams if you're if you have people always trying to one up another person right you have to you have to build a team with unity in mind and and knowing the strong suits of each individual member and how to apply them and if you're continually just trying to compete and check the boxes and and do those things sure you, you might get promoted up to a point but i know as a chief and I, i'm sure that you guys can speak to this as well I recognize the people who are building team. Mm -hmm. I recognize the people who are building consensus and I will absolutely go out of my way to help the people who I know are team oriented well over those people who are self-serving. Right. Yeah. The ones that are like Joe says, willing to take a sacrifice fly or uh, take the bunt for the team instead of trying to get a home run every time. It's huge. It's a huge, it's, it's a huge thing for a team to have the guy who's willing to take the out to move the runner. It's, it's mm -hmm. a really, it's, it's one of those leadership traits that I don't think people put enough emphasis on, but it's absolutely so important because it ultimately helps the team win. Right. Right. And that's, you know, and I think we don't do that enough because, you know, we're, we're talking about accomplishments where we're, we're seeing the stuff that's really easily, you know, viewable, the tangible items versus really identifying character you know, in those leadership and in, in those senior non-commissioned officers. And, and I love what you kind of talked about because when you go from, you know, the technical expert, you're an executor. And then when you suddenly transition to, now you, we need you to be the facilitator, right? <laughs> and a team builder. And, and, yeah. and it's like, nobody says, hey, this is what you're supposed to do now necessarily, yeah. right? Not quite. And, they don't, and also just to Scott's point, it's not like they teach you how to do that necessarily either. No. They're just teaching you how to get the bullets down on paper right. so you can get promoted. <laughs> Yeah, they're not going to tell you, hey, this is what you do when the young airman comes into your office crying, bawling because, mm -hmm. you know, this happened in their life or, you know, like, whoa, how, how, this, I'm looking in the, the PDG. This is not in there. You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's, not in the, it's not in the CDCs on how to deal with, uh, you know, uh, people going through divorce. And, you know, how, how, do I, how, do, how do I, as a supervisor, as a leader, how do I manage those things or how do I, how do I deal with those things? And so, um, yeah, it, it's tough because we don't have that, that clean transition, you know? Oh, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's, you go from an executor, Joe, like you said, to all of a sudden you're a, uh, and a lot of times a social worker, a psychologist, or a, mm -hmm. a counselor. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, your you're, mission becomes people, right? It used to yeah. be buttons and, and fun stuff. And like, you know, you got to go on the cool trips and, and do all the fun things. And then overnight your mission becomes people. And you have to let go of the fun stuff and you have to allow other people to go have fun and, and you have to make those things and you have to facilitate those opportunities for people. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's very hard because you want to still do it. And, you know, yesterday you were a tech sergeant and today you're a master sergeant and you still have the technical knowledge and know how, but now 
you have to let go and you have to share. And it's a very hard <laughs> transition for a lot of people because, yeah. you know, it's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had some folks trying to do that too, you know, as a, as a master sergeant, they're trying to go do that. And I'm like, no, I need you to lead and develop your folks so that they can do it. And like, no, I really like doing this. I was like, yeah, but you're getting paid That's master great. and paid to be a tech exactly. sergeant. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, <so>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's always the challenge too, because people will, will, scream up and down why they deserve a promotion, mm -hmm. right? I should, I should get the next level rank. I should get this. I should get that with, but their mindset is really, they just want to be a high paid technician, mm -hmm. right? They don't, they don't want that responsibility of dealing with the, the personal side and the human side of things. They just want to go out and execute mission. And, and that makes it tough when you try to explain to people, this is, this is probably why you shouldn't be promoted to master or senior or chief because <laughs> you're not, you, you can't be a chief master sergeant still working the floor. You know, right. now you can step right. in, you can step in as a chief master sergeant and work in the floor when you need it, but that's not your overall job is to not be that technician. And there's a, there's yeah. a lot of, yeah, go ahead, Robert. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, one of my favorite questions that I ask, especially whenever uh, I'm on a hiring panel for like senior NCOs is what have you done for somebody you're in direct competition with? Mm. And the answers or the look on people's faces is pretty comical <laughs> at times. Like, because a lot of the times they can't answer that because they've just been competing and, and pushing people in front of the bus or stepping on people to get where they're at, that they don't even understand the question in a lot of ways. And, and yeah. you're just like, what have you done? What have you done to make that sacrifice bunch, right? Like, mm -hmm. what have you done for somebody else to put them in a position, even though you were in competition with them? Mm -hmm. And when I do get those answers from people, which doesn't happen all that often, that's everything that you need to know about a leader is comes out in those moments. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's when you go, yes, this guy, he gets it. Like, this girl, she gets it. They, they understand that it's about building the team, about doing the right thing, having integrity. Those are the things that I want in a senior leader, um, not a person who can check all the boxes. Those things are important because checking the box allows you to know the process to help somebody. That's the only, that's the only thing I really get from it is if I don't go through these things, if I don't apply for these, you know, uh, senior NCO PME courses with mm -hmm. other services and um, the JPME and all the other stuff, then how can I go tell somebody to do it? Or how can I help them in their process? So checking the boxes for me allows me to be able to say, okay, these are the things, this is how you do it. This is why you need to do it. So that way I can understand it, right? A leader should always be the first to the door. Um, and if you're telling your guys to go get something or do something that you haven't done, you have no mm -hmm. credibility. You have to go get those things, even if it does look like box checking, but you're getting it so you can provide an education to your people, not so yeah. you can position yourself for a promotion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, going back to that low performers thing, you know, some people, because you do a really good job of like, okay, how do you think differently to, to make yourself, um, you know, produce a little bit more? And I'm thinking, it's like, low performers are there they give you all they also give you a purpose as a leader because if everybody was executing perfectly and, and superior you're like do you really need to even be there i mean yeah. so that's a, that's something that we should always consider as well when we walk into chaos yeah hey robert i got a question for you so you 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 do work with uh, civilian organizations um what do you notice any differences in their leadership styles or strategies that may be contrast to the military or any similarities um, a lot of a lot of similarities. So some of the civilian ones that I work with obviously have uh, retired 
members who work in there and the similarities come over. Um, I do see in like civilian work with like where my wife works, they do a lot of things with like Myers-Briggs and stuff like mm. that and helping people. And, and I do some Myers-Briggs stuff. You can read about that in the book and one of the chapters. Um, but helping helping you to understand how a person can, how, how a person can be connected with better, right? So how do they receive and, and transmit communication, for instance, that can be a really big deal. Um, yeah. If you're like me, I'm an ENTP. I'm a big picture guy. Like mm. I, I like to paint a picture. I'll use my arms. Like I'm, I'm all over the place. Right. And mm -hmm. people who aren't like me don't receive my communication. Well, they want it in a PowerPoint. They sure. want it very concise. They want it very step detail oriented. Yeah. Right. And I didn't get that for the longest time. So I kept <laughs> on trying to communicate what, what felt comfortable to me and what had gotten a response. And in one of my units, I couldn't, I couldn't get anything through to these people. Like I was like, what is going on? Like, how come you can't get this? And I learned about Myers-Briggs and I learned yeah. how people's personality preferences, right? It's not, it's not a pigeonhole. It's not who you are, mm. but it does, it does help exploit some of the preferences that you have as a person. And if you can cater to those preferences and you can be more effective at communicating and building bonds with people. And that's something that her job does really, really well. And I've really taken to that because it just helps you understand and remember that everyone's unique and everybody needs just a little bit of tweak. Um, mm -hmm. And as a leader, right, you should be able to make those small adjustments for your team to be able to connect with them. And you can only do that by educating yourself about who they are, what their personalities are, what their preferences are, and then doing those small things to, to make it easy for them to understand so they can come in on the projects and, and help you build the team as well. Sure. It's like, it's like the platinum rule. So the golden rule is treat others how you want to be treated, but the platinum rule is treat others how they want to be treated. Nice. And, and I found, yeah. And so I work, uh, so I'm, I'm retired uh, from the military, but I work uh, in a training and development capacity. And that's one of the things that we deal with, with a lot of our clients because uh, they work in, in industrial environments and, you know, some of them are in like construction and, and some of the blue collar type uh, work environments. And, that's a challenge for, cause they're not taught uh, uh, profile systems or anything like that. You know, they mm -hmm. just, they go out, turn wrenches, do whatever they have to do. And so we're finding when we, when we educate them on those type of personality preferences and communication styles that they're seeing a, a huge improvement in their um, productivity because now they're getting more out of people because people are feeling appreciated and valued. That, and, and you can also write, you can understand people enough to not take offense in some cases, right? Cause yeah. I'm an extrovert. And whenever a person doesn't respond the way that I would expect them to, when I was younger, I, I thought they just didn't like me. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. In reality, they're just maybe be introverted and, <laughs> and you just have to take that into account. Like maybe they're not going to join you at the social hour because they don't like the social interactions. It has mm -hmm. nothing to do with liking you or not. They don't like that environment. And so they're not going to come to it. So once you understand those things about people, you can, you can usually take less offense and you can yeah. build better relationships. Yeah. And, and maybe some of them didn't like you, but you know, it's not <laughs> the is, default that is, thing, right? <laughs> that is, that is very likely. I got my first one star uh, Amazon review with no comments, oh. no nothing. And so I assume that it's somebody I potentially shared a negative experience with and um, wrote about in the book, right? I wrote about them vaguely, but oh, yeah, yeah, somebody tried to stick it to me on that one. And so then I just rewrote a whole new story about it. Um, and published it in the revision of the book because That's awesome. I thought it was really, I thought it was really important that 
you know, sometimes people just don't get you or, you know, somebody tries to create an obstacle. But for me, right, whenever I encounter hardships, I know that I'm on the right path. Like Mm -hmm. the right path has always had bumps for me. So whenever I feel a bump, I go, ah, must be on the right path. Right. Because there's that bump and I knew it was coming. Right. And that's a great perspective to have. I mean, that's what, you know, we, we talked, we had an episode called Brosism when we were talking about, you know, the obstacle is the way, take it, you know, go head on and, um, and grow from all the different situations that you kind of endure and experience through life. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. Those obstacles are the things that push us out of those comfort zones and help create change in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hey, Rob, to transition, there's another thing that um, I remember uh, seeing when we were communicating, being yourself when people resist you. Can you dive into that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Um, so one of the things I think everyone I've talked to has faced is there's you, you find yourself in these environments in your work center and people just don't seem to get you. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that they try to develop you or mentor you is to encourage you to be like someone else that they like. Right. Um, I've tried that. And I I got to the point where I was suicidal um, Mm. because I was, I was an imposter. I was trying to be a person who my leadership team liked and it wasn't me. Mm. Um, And so I actually got very, very depressed and I really, I I didn't, I didn't enjoy going to work. um, And I just, I didn't feel like a genuine person. So what I've learned, right, and I think you guys I actually um, have talked about this in the past is, you know, being the best version of yourself, develop your people to be the best version of who they are, not right. this other person that you like how they do things because they're not that other person, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, don't, don't try to put your white picket fence on somebody else, right? Right. I think Oscar Wilde's quote in that, in that um, chapter is, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Th- that always just reminds me like, yeah, you're not supposed to be like someone else. Like right. you, you are who you are. So be who you are, but just be the best version of yourself and recognize that we all have things to work on. I make mistakes all the time. I make mistakes as a husband. I make mistakes as a Christian. I make mistakes as a father. I make mistakes as a chief. Uh, I make mistakes all the time. I make mistakes in my book. There's probably a couple typos still, even though I've reworked it five times, right? But that's, that's okay, right? Because every time it gets a little bit better, I learn something. Um, I can handle a situation. I can speak into a person's life a little bit better, right? So don't, don't shy away from those, those negatives in your life because they're really creating a, a better person in the end. Yeah, and I would say that trying to live up to a standard that's not your own, I guess. Well, what am I trying to say? It it can be exhausting trying to be somebody you're not. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it, it just it just wears on you. It can and and make it's completely exhausting. And it and it makes your work so much harder than we, when you just be yourself. You know, and yeah. get more done yeah. that way. And you have to recognize too. So I was in that I was in that situation. I was a senior NCO of the year for the group and for the squadron and all these other stuff and my commander still didn't stratify me um for that year's evaluation and so what i learned was i was even competing against her ideal version of a leader no matter how hard i tried like i wasn't going to fit her mold and i had to eventually accept that that was okay like look i we're we're just not going to come eye to eye on on who i am as a person and as a leader and who she wanted me to be and so I, I chose to part ways and I took another, I applied and was able to get promoted into another unit. But, you know, sometimes you're just not going to be a good fit. Like make sure that 
one of the mistakes that I made was being being kind of poisonous and being disrespectful at times. Ooh, and that's yeah. something that I regret, but that I absolutely learned from, right? So make sure that you maintain that foundation of respect, even when you are in a disagreement or not in a good relationship, because those are the things that will keep you moving in the right direction, having that respect, showing that respect, you know, being extra professional. But if you start undermining people and stuff, like it's just, it creates really bad environments for everyone. And, and a lot of times your character will precede you wherever you go next. And, and if people are feeling like you're sliding them or undermining them, uh, that word will travel to the next assignment or the next job or, you know, uh, so you, it's, if you, but if you have maintain that character and that discipline of being respectful and, and, you know, being a team player as much as you can, that goes a long way. It does. And the air force is a real small world. Uh, I mean, take it from, you know, two chiefs right now and a retired chief, like you guys can, I'm sure attest to that, like one or two assignments after you leave somewhere, you run into somebody and, and you hope that you, they still have a good impression of you because they might be in a, a pretty critical position for where you're at. Yeah. yeah. When I, when, when I came into the dark ages, uh, <laughs> um, we didn't, you know, PCS, we, we didn't have internet and we didn't have email. So when you PCS to a new assignment, you were lucky to know somebody from that base. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know who's there. And, but nowadays you connect, you know, months before you get out there, you, or you've shared an appointment or assignment, a previous assignment with those people. So you're able to engage and, and get a feel for it. But, um, you guys got a great, I mean, it's a great point. I just, it was thinking of, I was thinking about something that happened not too long ago. I remember there was a team of people that, um, worked in an organization that I was in and I just got CC'd on the email and I was like, Hey, we failed an inspection on whatever program. Right. So, and there's like four people involved in that program. And, uh, and then everybody's like, Hey, we're going to have a meeting to discuss how we're going to resolve this stuff and how we're going to get better. And one person emails us back. I'm CC'd on it again. It says, these are the reasons why, you know, this person did it wrong and this person did it wrong. And, you know, basically say absolving themselves of everything. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that didn't help you at all. You, you have no idea what that made you look like. Yeah. Right. They're the bus driver, right? Right. Back, <laughs> backing up over people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. Cause I look at them and it's like, Oh, they don't even realize that that was inappropriate you know what I mean? So there's a coaching teachable moment, but you know what I really like about um, what you're kind of talking about there, Rob was, you know, cause we talk about authentic leadership a lot, but a lot of times we don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've even heard the term together, authentic followership. And yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, being yourself as a, you know, an executor or follower or whatever, I mean, that's just as important. I mean, we need to be ourselves always. And like you said, the best version of ourselves. And I think that's just, just a perfect way to state it. And, and to that point, as a subordinate, whenever you're in that position, right, make sure that you have the courage to communicate to your supervisor what it is that you need, mm -hmm. right? So that way that person can develop who you are, mm -hmm. not who they're having to guess that you want to be. Sure. So tell them what you need. Be clear. Like, yeah. Hey, this is just like you would in a relationship in a, in a healthy relationship. You, the other person knows what your needs are and they can, they can cater to it, right? The five love languages. So mm -hmm. tell your supervisor what your love language, your work love language is. <laughs> so that way you guys can build a relationship and, and he can, or she can treat you the way that you need to be treated to help you develop. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's some great stuff. And, um, and your book, we're definitely going to um, make sure we put it onto our show notes, but you're also working on another one, right? 
I am, yeah. So uh, hopefully by the end of the year. So I had 10 questions that went out to a bunch of the senior enlisted leaders. Um, questions like, you know, what do you tell somebody who's transitioning into the senior and CEO role, right? And and so there, I got some really amazing responses back from people. And I didn't get quite as many as I wanted, but I, you can always revise, right? One of the great things about self-publishing is that you can revise a book at any time. Mm -hmm. And I believe that once people read um, some of these really incredible inputs that we have for these 10 questions, they're going to be really impressed and they're going to want to contribute. Um, but some really, really amazing insights. What do you, what do you say to a frustrated airman? Um, mm -hmm. And, and just having, you know, hundreds of years worth of wisdom from all these different people speaking into these pretty general, but very common issues it's just been really, really awesome to see the answers and, and the perspective. And it's made me think, and one of the great things about the people who have taken part in this is number one, they've written down these answers. A lot of them have shared them with their team, um, which I think has been pretty cool. And a lot of them have also been like, I never thought about some of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really had to do some digging in my head to say, what would I say mm -hmm. in this in this um, situation. And so hopefully that'll be out by the end of the year. I'm still working on the title. I think I have it, but I'm not quite sure. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna display it here. Yeah, very cool. And, the, and, it, and it goes back to the importance of allowing people to be themselves. Because when you, when you have a team, uh, coming from a leader, if I have a, a, a group of diverse personalities and diverse perspectives, we have more options to choose from on how to be successful. But if I'm expecting a clone of me, mm -hmm. you know, you know, if I got a, maybe a, a team of 15 people and they're all clones of Scott Green, we're, we're, we're singularly focused and we're only giving ourselves so many options for success. Um, and so I, and that's why I appreciate what you're doing with this book, Robert, the, the one you're working on now is you get those different perspectives. And I, and I hope that they are all varied and I hope they are uh, unique. So that way people can go, you know what, they can find that one perspective that really t talks to them. Um, like, like, like you said, you could read a book and go, like you said earlier, we were talking about um, um, maybe some of the reading lists that are out there. They're written by officers and generals. Mm -hmm. And you can look at, read that book and go, that makes no sense to me. But you can also read books now and, and that have different perspectives that you go, oh yeah, that talks to me, that talks to my personality. And now I, I know that there is a, a, a way forward for me to grow as an individual. Yeah, and with this, with the inputs I got from this book, they, they absolutely vary very widely. Um, so I, I talked to different genders mm -hmm. and ethnic groups. Um, and so you get different perspectives. Now, you won't know. I'm not going to put anyone's name in it, but right, it'll be like leader one. And, and you'll have perspectives from all kinds of different people about different things. Even the length of the uh, responses are very different. Some of them That's are awesome. very concise <laughs> and some of them are very long and some of them are right in the middle, right? So you're going to get the, you're going to kind of, I think, get all the flavors that you want um, in, in the answers. And I, I'm confident that people will find an answer that probably fits what they needed to hear. Yeah. We, so like our blog page, you know, when we first started it almost Joe, it's almost been two years. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost mm -hmm. been two years. It's actually we, been two years. Yeah. May, well, May, right. May of 2018. August. Oh, is it August? August? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's August. But we have, you know, every week we have new articles from people providing their perspective. And a lot of times the first thing they'll ask is, well, what do you want me to write about? You know, who am I targeting? And we're like, no, this is your perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we might do some editing to make people 
you know, um, for a little bit for readability, but we don't change the tone or the topic or anything like that. And, and it's great because we get a lot of great feedback because people are, they like the idea of, you know, reading different perspectives. Yeah. So I think we just had a, um, we just had one of those married moments where I forgot our anniversary, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> I had the wrong month, but, uh, by the way, Rob, he, we brought up that blog thing for on purpose. So we'd like uh, you to contribute, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I'm constantly writing articles. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm working on a couple of them right now. Like I, I take everything that I see and experience right and I get out into the world and I go, yeah. man, that was kind of, that was kind of interesting. And I think through whatever situation I've just encountered and I go, okay, there, what is the lesson in this? Like I'm, I'm yeah. experiencing this for a reason. And then I'll write things and I've made five revisions to the paperback mentor already. So wow. the newest version has, I think three new stories in it. I've added a couple of questions. Um, I think there's an additional six or seven pages in the book. Um, you know, one of them's called uh, successful mind fields mm -hmm. like in your mind and how to create a, a successful mental state mm -hmm. and i you know use a metaphor like farming to include like planting good seeds um resting the fields right so that way the the soil can have time to recuperate and things like that so i'm always writing things based off of the experiences that i have every single day and, and trying to help people relate to you know the challenges that we face as humans every single day especially 2020 man 2020 is presents a lot of opportunities to learn right yeah absolutely absolutely and so many things i mean you just got to have the right mindset like you're saying and maybe even ask yourself those tough questions but um you know why is this happening to me and uh you know what matters to me right now and etc right those are the ones that would really um help you kind of figure out what 2020 is all about and like i yeah. i know i know for a lot of us um i know it seems like it's um you know, a tough challenge times. Um, some people are really suffering, but I know there's also a lot of perspectives that come from this year and what we've gained. And, and some of us just needed a hard reset. I know I did. Yeah, I needed yeah. a hard reset after two overseas tours. It really helped me kind of understand what's, what's most important. And also it kind of, it, it definitely helped us connect Rob and we really appreciate you and everything that you're doing. I appreciate what you guys are doing too. I think it's great that, you know, we all got focused on, the, the, you know, from where we were at doing all of our stuff with the kids and the crazy trips and all the other mm -hmm. stuff to, it became very focused and it all came online. Right. And so, mm -hmm. like you were saying, I, I've, I thought I was like on an Island of writing from an enlisted perspective or sharing or leading from an enlisted perspective. Um, and I, I think I was a little bit afraid that, you know, some people would be like, Oh, you can't do that. Like you, <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. And you know what? Nobody has said anything like I can't do anything yet. Um, and <laughs> right. And so it, it's, it's interesting. Like you can't do a podcast and call yourself a chief. Like, yeah, you can, like yeah. and people need to hear those things and right. you're not breaking any rules and you're sharing in a way that is finally opening up doors and, in people's lives that don't have the leadership that they need um, yeah. or want in their, in their places. So they can reach out online and they can listen to your podcast and watch your, your short clips and, and your videos or, read the paperback mentor or mm -hmm. one of the, any of the other things that these enlisted leaders are doing to help reach people. And that's what I, I've taken most out of 2020 is, yeah, it took a lot away from us, but it, it gave us a focus that if you want to take advantage of in a, in a way to spread a message of, of positivity or resiliency or whatever else, the opportunity has finally presented itself. And we didn't have that opportunity before. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. I think. Yeah. I think too. It's allowed. It's allowed people in leadership positions to be, 
to show their personality a little bit better. Uh, because, you know, before their, their platform was like a commander's call or, right. you know, or, and now their platform is a podcast or, or a minute video or, or DJing and, and, and DJing, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, every, everyone's, everyone's cooking chefs, everyone's <laughs> yeah. got this opportunity to kind of show themselves a little bit and, and show that they can be vulnerable in this yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, we're all humans. <laughs> and, and how we're learning and growing through it. Um, but I, I think what, what I'm finding the most value so far is, um, I'm learning a lot from other people. I'm learning a lot from Rob. I'm learning a lot from like, you know, just, just all these amazing people that we get to talk to on this, on this podcast. Um, and even the ones that I'm not on because of scheduling, as soon as Joe posts them in our folder, I'm listening to them cause I want to, I want to glean something from it. So it's amazing. We, we, we do have a, uh, some challenges, but we also have some great opportunities to grow. Yeah, there's no uh, big reason for people to say there's no mentorship opportunities out there like back in the day, because maybe it's not directly in your chain for whatever reason. Maybe you're not wanting to see it the way we kind of talked about earlier, like, hey, um, this is what not to do, right? Maybe you're, you're having a hard time seeing that, but there's a lot of um, opportunities out there like the paperback mentor and, you know, all the stuff on Air Force Quarantine University and, uh, you know, legendary leaders. There's so many things out there for people to be able to glean some wisdom for. So if uh, if you're not finding it is because you're being lazy you know at this yeah. point i mean you can find it playing too much overwatch yeah well that's a cool <laughs> game though that's a cool game but hey rob so uh whenever we wrap these up we always we like to wrap them up with a leadership rapid fire so uh we i, I think we should just stop calling it rapid because it's not really rapid at all but <laughs> <laughs> but uh but we, we have a series of four questions we'd love for you to answer and really when i ask you the question um it's going to be how you interpret it, right? Because we actually appreciate the different interpretations of the question and the answers that come out. It really makes it a more a better variety for our folks. So, um, would you like to partake? Of course, yeah. All right, cool. So, what if he what, said no? I know I would have been like, okay, cool. <laughs> All right, well, that's the show. Well, llamas out. Yeah. Hey, no, I felt like I did a pretty decent job. I didn't make a fool out of myself, so I'm just gonna, yeah. I'm gonna take my money and walk away. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Nice. Yeah. That, so cool. All right. Question number one: um, What is your favorite leadership trait? Uh, authenticity, without a doubt. Um, you can always see it in a person, and whether or not they're they're right or wrong, um, the authentic leader who admits when he's wrong or actually shows true compassion. He's not doing it or, um, you know, acting in a way because he's expected to. He's doing it because it comes from his, who he is. It's from coming from the heart. Mm -hmm. And I can remember a thank you from an authentic leader meaning more to me than any quarterly award or yeah. annual award or anything else I've ever received. That authentic leader saying, thank you for doing an amazing job meant and has meant more to me in my military career than anything else I've ever received as far as accolades go. That's awesome. All right. Question number two, what is your favorite quote? Ooh, well, as you, if you've read the book, there's a lot of quotes that I like. Um, I think, well, probably I guess the, my favorite quote would be uh, from Henry Ford. Um, and it's printed on the inside of my wallet. My wife got it for me. And I said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And to me, what that means is 
you you have to think outside of what people are normally used to thinking or hearing, right? Like, mm-hmm. whenever he developed the uh, the you know the assembly line to produce the car, like people wanted horses and they they were comfortable with horses, and he was trying to change the entire world, but people couldn't at first get on to the same you know wavelength as him because they didn't understand like no this isn't a horse this is this is a car right and so being able to think past how people think the 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 barriers that exist for a lot of people you know the faster horse and thinking about the car instead um i think that that's that's probably one of my favorite quotes because of that that level of innovation and that that vision that you have to have to create the next big thing that's awesome All right, cool. Question number three. Okay, besides the paperback mentor, what is a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader? Um, I just read the book called The Choice by Og Mandino, um, and it really had a profound effect on me. Uh, It's a very short book, really. um, And it talks about a guy who was living a busy life, very successful, um, had kids and stuff. And and he changed and he changed his world. He changed what he was doing. Um, and he actually went down the path of becoming a writer. Mm-hmm. And just reading that short story, it really spoke to me about like, what choices do we make? Like, and why do we do what we do? And right, he, he goes through some hardships and, and he comes out on the other side. I won't ruin it for you, but mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was really, it was a really good story to read and it's short. Um, and it ha- but it's had a really profound effect on me this last month or two. Awesome. Great. All right. Final question. And we'll make sure we add that book to the show notes as well. We always do. Um, all right. So final question. This is the deep one at the Llama Lounge. We're all about life learning and leadership. So however you want to interpret this question, but how do you find your harmony between life learning and leadership? Uh, I don't feel like I find it most of the time. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like to juggle a lot of things and sometimes I drop almost all of them. So, you know, what I try to do is I give myself grace. Like I, I know that I'm going to make mistakes and I have to be okay with saying, look, this, this isn't working. What do I need to do to change? Right. Hey, I'm off balance. I'm so focused on my career and it, you'll see in the paperback mentor in the first chapter, this three chamber hourglass that I create this concept around where it's my family myself and my career. Um, and I'm always constantly trying to turn that hourglass assembly over to keep each one of those chambers equally full of sand mm-hmm. because that, that's what I need to do, right? And sometimes you're going to get off balance when you deploy. Your family, your family uh, chamber drains down, but if you focus during those times, you can really fill up yourself and your career buckets, right? But then when you come home, you need to turn that hourglass assembly over and you need to pour back into your family because you have more than enough sand in those other areas at that time. So um, that's how I try to keep my balance using that concept that I developed that I put in the book um, to just say, look, constantly change your focus. That way you can always make sure that something that things that are important in your life are getting the attention that they need. Fantastic. That, that's awesome, man. I love that yeah. analogy. And um, yeah, uh, definitely. You, you've dropped some gems on us today. We really yeah. appreciate you yeah. taking the time. man. so the, um, the book is uh, available in all mediums, correct? It is available on, as an ebook and as a paperback okay. through Amazon. Cool. Yes, the cool. paperback mentor. Cool. cool. And, and pretty soon you're going to be working on the audio. That's going to be awesome. And that's going to get out yes. there for everybody. <laughs> so um, and, and the reason for the title, just to let you know, is it's because 
people, some people don't have a mentor. Mm -hmm. And so this is a, it's a paperback that you can refer to as a mentor as you would a mentor. So there's lessons and things that you can learn like you would from a mentor, but it's in paperback form. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. cool. All right. Thanks brother. And um, we will make sure this gets out there. Go ahead, Scott. What are you going to say? Yeah, I was going to ask, are there any other ways people can contact you or get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can write me at thepaperbackmentor at gmail.com is my email. Um, I am definitely working on some additional um, like lesson plan stuff in the future to try to help teams who want a, a more detail-oriented kind of um, classroom in, uh, information. So, um, but I also do like online mentoring sessions. I do all of it free right now, as long as it works in my schedule. Um, you know, I, I really just want to spread the message and help people have a new perspective on things. And, you know, this isn't for profit. This is for passion. That's so nice. hmm. I, I don't, I don't need to get paid to do something I'm passionate about. I don't like eventually, right? Like Zig Ziglar says, if you take care of enough people, then they'll take care of you. It's essentially what his quote is. And right. If you, if you make sure enough people get what they need, then you'll get what you need. And, you and I want to be you know, known as a, a person who makes a difference in people's lives. And I can do that by doing things that make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Great views. So uh, once again, thanks, Rob. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, um, and, you know, share, share everything, your vulnerability, your experiences, and, and your great wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel so much smarter now after this conversation. That <laughs> <laughs> took away a lot. Well, good. I, I'm glad that I was able to share some of my experience. I really appreciate the opportunity. And I think it's incredible what you guys are doing with the podcast um, and getting this media and this, and this messaging out to people, no matter where they're at, so they can re- listen to it in their car or at home or, or wherever at. So I think it's really important to to do these things to help develop our people wherever they're at, whatever they're going through. Um, and so congratulations, congratulations to your two year anniversary. Like you guys make a great couple for the blog and, folks uh, for the blog. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> I'm married. <laughs> well, sweet. Thanks Rob. And um, to all our listeners, uh, once, you know, as always be safe, stay healthy and llamas are out later. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.